Hello and welcome to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of Flash of Steel. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me once again is my panel of illustrious colleagues. We have freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Say I, hi, still, Julian. I still can't figure out how I'm second seat, but that's great. Maybe people can hear me this week, so this will be the first real show because I'm really on it. That's true. The hopefully not silent Julian Murdoch, freelance writer Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. And my wargaming colleague and board game tutor, Dr. Bruce Garrick. Did you start this out by saying hello and welcome? You can't say that. That's what Jeff Green says. That is true. I missed, I miss Jeff Green on podcasts. I do too. Can we get him? We could probably. He's busy working on Sims Animals games. He's got better things to do. Oh, he's not. He's yeah. not that hard to get. We had him on twice, but I'm not sure he's allowed to podcast anymore because last time he was just like totally dissing Mirror's Edge or something and got in trouble. Really? <laughs> well, we don't want to get Jeff in trouble. No, that would be bad. Let's well, get somebody else in trouble. Who can we get in trouble? I'm sure, you can find people some. who made Halo Wars. Is that what we're going to talk about? They're already in trouble. <laughs> Well, let's Actually, talk about those guys are probably blissfully free to say whatever they want at this point, aren't they? That's true. Why, they because have they're all fired? Yeah. Well, they're still working well, they're, at DLC, right? They're an independent studio, and yeah, that is true. Actually, World Troy has a good point. Is they still have a relationship with Microsoft to, to keep doing add-ons and whatnot for Halo Wars. So that's a good point. They probably can't speak as freely as you might think. Hmm. Hmm. Is that legal in America? Free speech? No, not, not, not being able to speak as freely as you might think. Yeah, not in corporate culture, just in the press. Okay. Well, Halo Wars is an interesting place to start because for a major title, it has come to it has been released to some of the most mixed reviews I've probably seen uh, for a major marquee game coming out of Microsoft. I mean, the Eurogamer review loved it. Crispy Gamer review, which you wrote, Tom, did not, and it got. You know, middling scores from both One Up and Gamespot. So, what is it about Halo Wars you think that is creating this mixed reaction? Is it that people just don't know what it is? Well, it's a very mixed game. I mean, there's a couple of different perspectives you can have on Halo Wars, depending on uh, there. You know, there's you can come at it from the perspective of a Halo fan. Uh, you can come at it from the perspective of a, a hardcore real-time strategy gamer. Uh, and I think both of those people are going to be a little bit puzzled by what it is. The, the people who would love it, I think, have to be neither one or the other. If you're really into Halo or you're really into real-time strategy games, I think you're going to have some problems with Halo Wars. So it's hitting this typical, this like crazy middle ground of people who really don't care. <laughs> yeah, there's this little, there's this little, this little cigar-shaped sliver and a Venn diagram. If you are indifferent, if you are indifferent to what this game is about, you'll love it. <laughs> and there's also the issue that, uh, as far as being adapted to a console controller, it's still very much a PC-based real-time strategy game. Uh, and they've got some clever sort of quasi-solutions to how to deal with that that mainly involves streamlining the gameplay and just focusing on a sort of a smaller, leaner, smarter design, but they still have a lot of interface problems, I feel. How, how much so, time did you put into it? Uh, I finished the single player. I've played Skirmish plenty. I've played a couple of multiplayer games. So as much time as I would put into any RTS. Uh, I'm actually doing uh, sort of a tongue-in-cheek article for Fidget.com which should be up by the time this podcast comes out, on why the humans suck and the aliens are awesome in uh, in Halo Wars. So I, I am pretty versed in it, I, I would say. I could probably kick the asses of any one of you guys in Halo Wars. I guarantee it, because I could not be bothered to go past the demo. I have to tell you. I, just, I, I went through the demo twice, and I was really trying to figure out why I should care about this game. And then I looked at the list of other things coming out, and I was like, there's just no way I'd spend my own actual money on this. And I had this, that exact same reaction. I was like, maybe I have to be a ridiculous Halo fan, which I'm not, uh, to really get into this. But I I mean, I could sort of look at it academically and say, oh, okay, they did a good job bringing the theme and the setting into this other game type, which I would rather go play downstairs on my PC. Yeah. Well, I mean... I haven't. Pl- I can even do better than that. I haven't played the game at all, and the only thing I actually have done with Halo Wars is read Tom's review. So in a way, I've actually played it more than anybody. But um, <laughs> I think that. I mean, it seemed like 
the game is extre- is very streamlined. Not just it. I don't think it didn't sound from your review, Tom, like the game was very was streamlined just for the purposes of 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 the interface. It just seemed that was a conscious design decision to make a streamlined RTS that didn't get into all the you know incredibly complicated stuff that uh, um, a lot of RTSs have gotten into. It's this new direction in RTS that you are going to tell us all about uh, the future of RTS. But, I mean, isn't there a kind of... I mean, I hate things that are really complicated, so doesn't that sound like something that would be appealing? Actually, that's a fair point. This this would work, I think, on a PC, which erased a lot of the interface issues, and with a, a better... Uh, it has some AI issues as well, if those were ironed out. This would be an awesome real-time strategy game for the PC. So you're, you're right. It's not entirely fair to just say it's streamlined just for consoles. It's streamlined because I think that's a, a conscious design decision uh, on their part and, and a direction that you're seeing a lot of RTSs go in. Uh, yeah, I would love to see Halo Wars on a PC. And that's not the sort of thing that you should be saying when a game comes out for, for a console system. Well, especially I think. since it's designed for a console system. The whole purpose was to create a console RTS. I mean, at, before um, last year's E3, Ensemble was saying, yeah, we even retrofitted uh, Age of Mythology with this console interface, and now we like it more, which made no sense to me whatsoever. The, the Age of Mythology is a great game. That doesn't make any sense. It is, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing, though, Troy, that where, where I don't buy that this is intent, like Bruce said, that this is specifically for a console design, is you look at some other PC-based real-time strategy games making similar decisions. Right. For instance, Dawn of War 2. Right. Uh, I've been playing Demigod recently, and they have this same focus. Even though they're very much PC-based designs, they have the same focus on sort of streamlining the decision process and the workload and how much action is happening in the economy. Uh, this is definitely something happening to PCs as well. Yeah, um, my preview copy of Demigod arrived yesterday or the day before, and I haven't even touched it yet. As I had some impulse problems, but I am looking forward to it. Is that the giant Minotaur game? They, they're, yeah. That's exactly how they're selling it. Is that's what I thought it was too. It's and it's not a Minotaur. It's like a big, a big guy with a castle yeah. on his shoulder. He looks like something from Shadow of the Colossus, which I think they're very aware of. And they they're playing. They're they're being a little coy about what exactly it is. But to my simultaneous disappointment and surprise, uh, this is really nothing more, and I don't mean to denigrate it by saying that, but this is really nothing more than an update of Defense of the Ancients, which is that Warcraft 3 sort of uh, tower game mod. Um, It's it's the big super mod for Warcraft 3. Right, right. my last taught high school, all my students trying to get me to play Dota with them. Play Dota with us, Doctor G. Play Dota with us. <laughs> it was it was the thing. Um, so yeah, I mean that's what Demigod really is, isn't it? It's. And I was I was a little surprised to discover that because I'd seen all of these intriguing screenshots of that big what Bruce calls a Minotaur guy, but that big castle dude and and the the weird little they they were sort of selling it like it was something like Shiny did a game called Giants way back when, yep. which had this really cool weird look with different races and 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 it, it actually delivered this oh, yeah. funky gameplay. So I, I was kind of that was like a screenshot. platformer though. Uh, it was an action game. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a PC game. But no, it wasn't a platformer in the sense of like Mario Brothers is a platformer. It was a. But it was. It was a multiplayer PC shooter kind of thing, uh, which had, yeah, with asymmetrical sides. You know, there were the, I don't know, the naked chicks and the little funny dudes and the giants. I mean, that's all. That's how I remember them. Naked only in Europe, though, right? The, the naked chicks with the the Americans uh, version had their halter tops on. Yeah. I swear uh, to God, I played that game. You might have. I mean, it was. This is probably back before you were too old to play shooters, Bruce. Was it you good? It, I remember it being good. Yeah, Giants was very good. Giants was before its time, uh, and it. You, you know, you definitely see. I don't remember where it falls in with the development of Sacrifice, but you can see that same kind of thing. Giants yeah, was very about much same kind weird of things, same vibe, beating yeah. up on each other. Yeah, same funky vibe. Uh, but anyway, so Defense of the Ancients, nothing like that. Nothing at all like that. It is. It is merely. And for better or worse, an update of uh, Demigod, for better or worse, is merely an update of Defense of the Ancients. Um, so is that where the RTS is going, though? Is there, yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there is a lot of movement towards these simpler, faster, more streamlined games. I mean, there was a time when a 40-minute skirmish was, you know, pretty much the average for a decent skirmish. Now you can play them in 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Well, and well, the single-player sort of single player missions in Dawn of War 2 are, you know, eight 
<laughs> you know, yeah. you can play them in the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee. And you, and still, that, wouldn't a, you still wouldn't get a 100% score. It takes you eight minutes to finish a cup of coffee? Well, if you're playing a game <laughs> at the same time. Okay. <laughs> but, well, but, I mean, that's that's all fantastic, but... It sounds. I mean, I would. I love these these games that are really streamlined and simple and don't require you know a, a million um, you know, games to sort of get the idea that this one build sequence that you have needs to you know be slightly tweaked by building this you know one other thing at this time instead of this time and and I mean I, I, that just the whole idea of a streamlined real time strategy game to me sounds fantastic. So what's the I mean what's the problem? Well, I don't think it's a problem so much as where it's not a problem so much as a fork in the road. That's one direction a lot of RTSs are going, and I think the conventional wisdom is that's the direction to go if you want to be commercially successful. Well, that's but, where most of the, the guys are going. Uh, but well, then there's me, this other fork that still exists, and Julian, you you and I can talk about this in a bit with things like Sins of a Solar Empire yeah, and Troy. Say, you, you'll be able to talk us about uh, Empire Total War. <laughs> I mean, those older ones still exist, but I think the conventional wisdom is to succeed commercially, commercially you have to go down the streamlined fork if you're going to make an RTS. Well, then we have StarCraft Two. Yeah, I don't know Which what's is, up with that. I mean, that's that a very hopefully a very. Yeah. I think it'll be a very traditional design. I mean, uh, the Blizzard RTSs are. I mean, they're almost the the, the 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 jazz singer of the RTS genre. I mean, they they gave birth to the form. It, it's totally and traditional. So, I mean, my my you know, I've got some hands on time with it, and it seems absolutely traditional. I mean, they're basically giving Korean StarCraft players exactly what they wanted, which was an easier to navigate. Uh, slightly faster, much prettier version of the game that they already play for 75 hours a week. I mean, that's who it's designed for, very clearly. I don't know anything about Neil Diamond, but, I mean, does... My impression of uh, StarCraft II is that it just looked better. (laughs) (laughs) I actually got that. I know what Bruce was getting at. That was good. I totally did. Uh, Right over my head in both lanes. I think you have to be in the bad 80s cinema, I believe. Um, oh, okay, right. The, the uh, Jurassic remake. That's oh gosh! Don't yes, explain yes, it. Don't explain yes. it. No, I, hate I got it now. To Google. That's Bruce's whole thing. Is you, you put it out there, people Google it, or it just goes over their head and they're left out. I'll edit uh, that out. Um, uh, but the the thing with StarCraft though, here's the deal. I, I wouldn't put it past Blizzard because that that's so far out. I don't even is that even supposed to come out this year? Who knows? Uh, I think we'll I see. Think Diab- starting a beta we're soon. We're going to see Diablo three, I think, before we see off into StarCraft. I, is that the were... order that they're certainly that they're kind of floating for? Is that they're going for Diablo and then StarCraft, or is it the other way around? I don't know. StarCraft two was looking pretty polished. I mean, I played it in August at Gen Con, and it was. I mean, they had guys playing four on four matches. I mean, it wasn't like... Right, and you can actually watch replays of games online. I mean, but but here's the thing. If you remember when Blizzard was doing Warcraft 3, they had playable builds of this new RPG-type gameplay they were going to do for a while, and somewhere along the line, they just scrapped all that and, and did what eventually became Warcraft 3. I wouldn't put it past Blizzard to either change their mind or change the design dramatically. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with those guys. Right, right. Uh, and they don't, they're not under right. financial point, pressure to get it out today. They've got, exactly. They're making a little money somewhere else. And if they're actually delaying it past Diablo 3, then even more so, I would say that's a big question mark. This is just speculation on my end. I have no evidence one way or the other. But does this mean that the uh, RTSs like Age of Empires are dead, that you're never, we're never going to see those deep uh, economy-based uh, plus one, minus one Unit balances Never. in the Never future. Never see one again. It's I'm, in the stimulus package. You can't use any of that money to build any <laughs> complicated. Well, but now where do you put where do you put something like Sins of the Solar Empire in there? Because I just played I played a four hour game today on the smallest map and spent the entire time like micromanaging my economy. I mean, I that, would argue Sins of the Solar Empire is a very traditional RTS. Just yeah. the time frame speak. It's very traditional in so many ways, but just make take make sure it takes you longer to do anything. Through distances or setting speed. I mean, it's well. Uh, one thing they do with computer game for four hours. I just I can't even get around that whole thing. You can't. Come on, Bruce. You've played a, a like a full game of Civilization four, haven't you? Or even three or two or one. I mean, those go on for as long as a Japanese RPG. And I think yeah, it's the same yeah, thing. like I could, yeah, sure, yeah, like twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, I think that's what sins taps into. You know, actually, I had the realization this weekend, similar to Julie and I had like a four-hour game. And my contention with sins all along has been because they kind of sell it as a 4X strategy game, you know, like mm-hmm. Master of right. Orion or like Civilization. And I was always like, no, that's bull. This is not a 4X game. This is a conventional RTS. And I had the realization this weekend during a, a marathon game of Sins of a Solar Empire this is why they call it a 4X game, because it takes just as long as a 4X game. <laughs> it's built for this epic, these epic play sessions where you play for an hour and you save and you come back the next day. And you play a game over the course of a few days, and it feels as long and as epic as a 4X game. Yeah, it feels uh, like yeah, playing I'd a huge Civ 4 game. You know, you never play it in yeah. one sitting. You always have to save a few times. Exactly, uh, which kills multiplayer, I would think. Yeah. I, mean, I know there's some people who are into that. Oh, no, we and got, we got it, guys that do four-on-four multiplayer every Saturday. They play a five-hour game, and they've been doing it since well, I was gonna the day say, the game so launched. They, they, so. don't, they don't crank up the speed for like the, the, the research and, and resources because you, you, that's one of the settings they've added in. Yeah, sometimes uh, they do. I mean, in general, the tweaks are they speed some of that stuff up. They, feed, they speed up phase lanes. They bring everything tighter together. But even so, I've actually my, – my contention with Sins of a Solar Empire, which I think actually is even more the case with the expansion, um, is the pacing is part of why it's so great. I never feel oh, yeah. like – I mean, you can have you know 100 units out there. And you've got exactly the right balance of never feeling like you don't know what's going on, but also never feeling bored. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. almost never a moment where I'm like, like like in a Sim City where you could just sort of say, "Oh, I'm going to let the engine run for ten minutes and see what happens." I never feel like that at all. What the the beauty of it, and I think this is why I'll let Bruce speak for himself in a minute, but I think this is part of why Bruce likes it. It really has this feel of of traditional naval combat with all the cat and mouse and the fleet movements. Uh, They've done a really good job, and the, even sort of the unit balance. Uh, they've done a really good job, sort of mirroring what what I think of as those old harpoon games. What what right. that tap and it's and it's gorgeous. That's a, that's a really good, uh, yeah. That's a really good uh, comparison there. Harpoon. But when you you're, you're watching, you're never. It, it's there's never a time when you're not wrapped up in something, even if it's just watching, because you want to have the at the exact moment launch your missiles or something like that. Right. Uh, Jeff, it's, yeah, yeah you want to, as soon as something in, enters your sensor range. I mean, you're on you're on tenter hooks, waiting for something to happen, waiting for nice something word. to appear, and it could happen any moment. All right, and I think the addition of of star bases and minefields makes it even feel more like like heavy duty naval combat because the space actually got much more important. I mean, I think that's right. the, the the big shift is not in these new units, but that by putting in these fixed placements in mines and star bases that are just going to sit there for the most part. There's and and now that you can really pick where you're going to phase into a, a particular system, you can sort of skip off the edge of the gravity well. All of a sudden, there's there's a real sense that this is a spatial territory game, not just a move from point A to point B to point C game, which has been really really fun. Yeah, well, the whole point of that—I mean, the whole point of the strategy of that game is that you go and you seize a system, and then you build it up and get the other person to attack you, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all—it's all this sort of big defensive, kind of offensive defense. You sound like you have some firsthand experience with that, Bruce. Uh, you know, I just—I'm—I'm just—I'm sort of just reasoning things out, things out from first principles. I read—I <laughs> read a critique of pure reason earlier today. That—that that was actually the last Tom versus Bruce that we did was a Sins of a Solar Empire, an, an epic match that I, I think Bruce won. Uh, uh, that and I, don't I think did. that ever got published. I, yeah, I'm not, I think so. No. It was the last one that we sent to uh, Computer Gaming World, uh, and that was the that was the issue that never appeared. The last ne- the last issue that never appeared. Right. And you didn't right. just reprint it somewhere. Uh, is it theirs? Is it ours? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. know. You know, I feel kind of. I don't know when I got when I got booted out of that. I got reprint rights on my last article because they never ran it. I resold well, it. I mean, we, I guess <laughs> we could invest. We could investigate it. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it never appeared. I don't think. Um, I don't think that One Up's doing anything with it. I mean, have, they haven't done anything with Tom versus Bruce in a while. I mean, they were posting all the old ones for a while, and then it sort of got on this weird schedule, and nobody's ever talked to us about it. So yeah, who knows? Hmm. Yeah. I look forward to reading that. Oh, it's a great uh, book. It, and, and that's the thing is, Sins does a great Sins does a great job of creating these sort of narratives. I mean, that was one of the so one of the common complaints about Sins of a Solar Empire. There's no single player story. Tell oh, me a God. story. I want I want missions. 
I want I want to know what who Empire said that? There's somebody, somebody who said that? Everybody said that. You know, yeah. all these artists. A lot of complaints. People wanted a campaign to make themselves feel more connected to these three like very a similar or something? I don't get it. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. But the well, it makes as much sense as... Solar Empire has an amazing storyline, and it's got this amazing narrative that emerges as you're playing. Uh, exactly. It doesn't need a campaign. No, what it, needs, what it needs is a manual. Game. I mean, the problem with Sins remains the fact that, and even more with the expansion, this is not a game you pick up by yourself and figure out. And they published the expansion without a single line of documentation. Not one. Was there not a manual with the downloads? No, no, no. There's, there's nothing. I actually talked to Blair yesterday, and I read him the Riot Act about it, and he totally copied it. Was the, like, the, 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 this is Blair Fraser, Blair the lead Fraser, designer right. for Ironclad. And, and he was just like lamenting, and it's like, I know, I've got it 75% done, but I didn't want to hold the release until I finished my blog post, which is basically what he's doing. <laughs> an epic blog post that says, here's how you play my game. <laughs> <laughs> But but it's true. It's, I mean, literally, what I I started it up and I hadn't played since in I don't know four or five months, and I was like, well, where's the new stuff? How do I build my fabulous new, uh, you know, star base that I'm supposed to be able to build? And it took like an hour of playing the game to start figuring out where that stuff was. Which I think that speaks to the whole issue of are we developing these games? And I use we in the sense of everybody but me. Um, developing these games for a narrower and narrower audience. You know, your fork in the path. Are we talking about the sort of true hardcore grognards that'll not care there's no documentation for an expansion to Sins, which takes eight hours, versus the people playing Dawn of War over a cup of coffee? I think that's definitely the case with Sins. I mean, I don't... I, I... I think they're kind of letting go of this idea that new people are going to play it and they're they're preaching to the choir. And I, I'm okay with that. And I imagine they're small enough that that will be enough commercial success for them, I would think. Uh, How but yeah, they're selling the first place. It was uh, one of the top one of the, the top 20 PC sellers for last year. Yeah, and they had well, nine they had nine people on release. He was worried last night that they'd gone up to 11 and that meant they were going to have to have middle management. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you think, Julian, of, of the addition? Like, how do you feel about the way the star bases and the minefields uh, affect the gameplay? Well, I, I should I should point out I have not played multiplayer yet, so that's a huge, huge difference right there. Although I will say the AI, I think, got a lot better. Uh, it made a lot smarter decisions and didn't get trapped. That's one of their bullet yeah. points, yeah. <laughs> well, then it must be true. Um, <laughs> but the uh, but the AI it certainly doesn't do any of the stupid things it used to do. I mean, it used to ping pong between systems. You know, it would if you had two systems and you caught it in the middle, it would literally just spend the whole game bouncing back and forth between your two well fortified systems. Doesn't do that anymore at all. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, I think that I think like I said, it really adds a level of spatial strategy, and I mean spatial with a T, not with a C. I mean a, a a real sense of where you're positioning individual units for individual combats, which was not there at all before. It was very much a sort of dump your fleet into the system and pray for the most part. Um, so I, I've I've really enjoyed that, and I will say from a, just a sort of a epic space opera feel, man, the star bases are pretty cool. I mean they just they take over a system and they make big giant things explode and you know it totally reverts me to a 14 year old i had in my my game over the weekend i had literally a and i'm using literally correctly here literally a 20 minute battle over uh, one star base which was just i mean it was like star wars epic i mean that thing was the death star uh and it's a great addition i mean since the game is so drawn out and it does have that epic strategy game 4x feel that was okay to have a 20 minute battle over a single star base uh but yeah, can, can, that's, will that's the how... gameplay support that because i mean isn't the whole well, does that mess up the pacing? I mean, Julian was talking about the pacing earlier. When the pacing was perfect because you never really had to get, like you said, you could dump your fleet into a system, but then you had other stuff to do. And you could watch the battle, but it, it didn't really require all your hands-on. Now it sounds a lot more like if you spend a lot more time hands-on in the battle, then you have a significant advantage. How does that affect the pacing? Well, think of it this way, Bruce. Imagine in naval combat, uh, you know, you've got days on end of sort of playing cat and mouse with the enemy, wondering where his fleet is, and then... You have a carrier battle where suddenly things matter like, you know, refueling your ships and who's on deck and where your caps are. Uh, it's sort of that level of, of pacing, I, I think, uh, where suddenly being on tenterhooks waiting for something to come into sensor range transitions like that to, to just to this crazy epic sprawling battle. 
And the battle isn't going to necessarily run away from you. That's why it's kind of cool that it took 20 minutes to take down the starbase. I was able to do things like stay out of the starbase's fire, keep replenishing bomber squadrons, even adjusting the balance between fighters and bombers from my carriers, uh, bringing forward these new standoff long-range uh, starbase bombardment ships to, to the battle. Um, I mean, it, it gets, yeah, it definitely gets a little tactical and, and, and fussy, but I think the pace does support that. I think it allows for I, that. I think if they, had, if they had launched the game with the stuff in it, I have a feeling it would have failed because part of the reason it works um, is because, as far as I can tell, the balance is really right on the money. Um, and something like mines, you can imagine, would be horribly unbalanced if you got it wrong. Um, and from what I've read, that they did have a lot of heavy balance troubleshooting they've done over the last six months. But but also, I mean, one of the brilliant things about SENS has always been its navigation system. Uh, you know, the ability to get in and out of one location really quickly, to be able to look over at that sort of warboard on the left-hand side and, and really very quickly be able to assess the situation of any one of your units. So even when you have these long entrenchment battles over a system where, you know, you've gone in and you've managed to spin up your own starbase and you have a starbase versus starbase battle which is really incredible oh uh, wow yeah because because you can you can actually research something that lets you very quickly get up a starbase in an opponent system which is really is that the vasari thing i only played the the advent the telepathic the Vas- i think everybody can do that vasari starbases can move in the gravity well so you can use them like a giant capital ship to like move around and blow crap up um, but but any, I think anybody can go build a starbase in an enemy system. Oh, and that's right. You just because it's built from a constructor ship, and you just exactly. fly it to the enemy system. And, and there's a research yeah. there's a research tree which lets you build them even faster. It's like twice as right. fast as you could build them in your own systems. Um, so, but you can you can have all that going on, and you can because the navigation is so good, you can very quickly say, oh, I need to queue up a capital ship all the way on the other side of the galaxy, and just click down there, do that, hop right back to your other ship. Um, you know, which is the problem I have with so many RTSs is I find sort of finding and maneuvering and paying attention to my units can be quite a chore. I mean, even with Dawn of War 2, I get frustrated. Like, I always want another four or five mouse clicks of zoom. You know, I just want to be able to step back more. Um, and that's the beauty of this is you can step back to you're not seeing anything. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a, a dinosaur-themed game. Oh, what the heck was that called? Some German developers did this dinosaur-themed RTS, and they had a similar panel on the left-hand side where you could track and manipulate all your units, which was cool in theory, but when you apply that to a conventional real-time strategy game map with chokeholds and defenses and walls, which is what they tried to do, it kind of falls apart because you still have to look at the map. But it's beautiful in Sins of a Solar Empire. The map consists of just interlinking nodes, uh, so you can manage that a lot better. Right, and you could actually imagine that you could play this game without the map. You could have just the most basic representation of how the nodes connected, and you could just play entirely off that left-hand panel, which would be really boring, but... (laughs) <laughs> well, and even during like these big battles, you mention you know going back, queuing up a capital ship, and then having it come forward to the battle. You can do all of that without looking away from the battle. Right. You know, you can keep on screen what you want to see and manage all the other planets uh, using what's called the Empire Tree over there. Yeah, I, I love that. Which that actually is done. something that I was pleased to see in Dawn of War Two multiplayer um, that you never actually have to go back to one of your build places. I don't know what they're called. They're little factories that you build here and there. Um, you never actually have to go see it. Right? You can always just select it, build something, and come back. Which I know it's so- actually fairly common. It is I fairly think in common. any RTS where it's salt, but yeah, it's kind of a power user thing. Whereas it's a lot more implicit in Sins of a Solar Empire. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but but in but in my, for whatever reason in Dawn of War Two, it felt like that was the obvious way to do it, as opposed to wait, what's the hotkey to just pull up my closest, you know, factory or whatever. It's Alt F, by the way. <laughs> there you go, the king of the hotkeys. <laughs> I actually sent him a little nasty. I posted on the the Stardock forums the the hotkey to find star bases uh, doesn't work. So I I posted a little snarky message on their forums about hey, what else? Great Sean? To see us. <laughs> I, I, you bet. Yeah. Hey, it's great to see a little star base hotkey. Maybe you can make it work. Could <laughs> <laughs> work. Oh. Well, I'm glad that the uh, Sins of a Solar Empire interface. Uh, Proves that you remember the game Para World. 
Yeah. Ah, good Barrow work. Burrow. You just did you did you know that off the? There's no way you, you looked that up, Bruce. You had to have oh, looked I, that up. Dude, I, I I'm all about Paraworld. I wrote the Paraworld <laughs> FAQ. <laughs> God, Paraworld, of course. How could I forget that? You know I, what? That's such I a non. I knew which game you were talking about, but I could not remember the name of it. I know it was a couple of years ago, but. Wow. Very well I, done, Bruce. Very good. You know what's amazing? We're sitting here talking about basically three RTS games, none of which features World War II or people with swords. Dawn of War yeah, II. Really? They're all they're all science fiction based. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Dawn of War. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Right, right. Dawn of War II does have chain swords. Yeah, though, yeah. Right? Okay. I knew you. I knew yeah. you were gonna go. I knew you were gonna do that. You weren't gonna <laughs> let me get away with that. You schmuck. <laughs> But no, good, the, the, very good point. The, the Eldar are just elves. Right, exactly. Right. But no, but like a couple yeah, of years ago. Dawn of War, is, the whole universe is just, you know, it's basically space fantasy, right? With uh, space pope and all that kind of stuff. Space orcs. Space yeah, orcs. but it's great. I, I eat space that up. Night. I love that setting. I love it too, and I want, I want that uh, MMO to come out so that I can uh, waste a whole bunch of time with that. <laughs> is, is that ever going to come out? Which, Wait, who's even working on that? Is there is there yes. a Warhammer 40k MMO? Yeah. Who's doing that? There's a Some Warhammer MMO. That makes games. Yeah. I don't, they may not no, have no, a science no. fiction one in the works. There's a Warhammer for... Oh, jeez. Do I have to go to Google? Go check the same place where you looked up... here and make stupid comments. Check the same place where you looked up Paraworld. They'll probably have it there. <laughs> no. Oh jeez! I guarantee you, there is a Warhammer Forty Thousand uh, yeah, MMO it's, coming it's out. Uh, it vigil, is being Vigil, vigil game. It's HQ, and who is making Vigil Games? There you go. Yeah, well, I this is no not idea. This is not an MMO podcast. Last I checked. <laughs> no, but it is. A, it is an important theme. It would be if we talked about Lord of the Rings Online. Oh yes, let's do that. Let's please do that. Who? What level are you guys? Uh, <laughs> me? I, I'm, I'm level 54. I'm a minstrel on the Nimrodel server. Uh, uh-huh. You should join my kinship. You think I'm joking? Let's talk about Lord of the Rings Online. I'm totally ready to go there. I'm Who's sorry. Me? I haven't played I'm, it in so long. I've been playing. I've been playing just... on. I've been playing on Turbine House accounts in Moria because there's no way in the world I would ever work my way up into the 50s and. All I can say is that my first 10 quests involved delivering sandwiches at level 50, and that was a little disappointing. I was, That's I was what like, you got to do to get the dwarves in gear to open the, <laughs> the, the door to Morgery. No, I know, sense. I know. It, We've been in there. Taken from, taken from one, of, one of Tolkien's lost stories. <laughs> the, the, the sandwich lover. Uh, the the way, mighty Balrog Slayer Sandwich Delivery Boy. Yeah, I can't believe you guys are going to let me talk about Lord of the Rings Online. That no. should have been nipped in the bud. Please, come on. No, Troy, no because I love, the game. Gonna, I love the game. I want to talk more about, uh, build more on Julian's point about the setting. Um, how here we have all these games, science fiction settings, which you know, I'm I'm not a science fiction guy. I mean, it's just not something I... I love my Star Trek, um, but I don't watch Battlestar Galactica. Love Sins of the Solar Empire, love Dawn of War 2, almost in spite of the setting more than because of it. Um... To bring this back to Halo Wars, I mean, this is a game that's really targeting the Halo audience. And I looked up on Amazon. The latest Halo novel is like the 12, number 1200 on their bestsellers. And this is a strange, mad universe of fans. <laughs> it's number 1200? Love... It's number so 1200. It, it can't even compete with the most recent Mark Stein book. <laughs> uh, well, let's see where the most recent Mark Stein book is on Amazon. So, yeah. By the way, I would Welcome love to, to see listening a diehard Halo fan. <laughs> yeah, that... yeah, we don't. I, I would love to see a diehard Halo fan sitting down in front of the Halo Wars just to watch the look on his face against Mark uh, Stein. If that's what, if that's who, you know, I, I, I was, I'm not, I wasn't going to admit this, but I don't, I don't know who Mark Stein is. Is that a sports thing? No, he's a idiot conservative uh, commentator. His most he's recent a genius. Book... America, I should have known coming from Bruce. That's America where, that's alone, where. the end of the world as we know it. Oh, brilliant! And it, and it is signed by Mark Stein, just so you know. And it is uh, relatively close to Halo, the Halo novel. It's one thousand one hundred and ninety-two in books. There you go. So I'm rooting for the Halo novel. Yeah, really, yeah let's get Halo at the top, then, please. 
Amer- the end of the world as we know it, America alone. You will not see an Amazon link to buy that book on the post for this podcast. <laughs> but you know what? You, you know what we really need? Help you, out. you know what he needs if America's really going down the toilet? Space Marines. That's what he needs. <laughs> and a space pope. A space pope. That's, I like space. He's in charge pope. of the space marines, right? By the way, I read the backstory for the whole thing. Apparently, the, the emperor and Julian already knows this, so he can correct me. But apparently, the emperor is in some kind of giant, like suspended animation. Yeah, because he should have been dead forever ago. Right. He's the emperor, then, undying he's emperor. Not. Yeah. So it's sort yeah, of like if George Bush just ruled the country forever. That would be kind of what it would be like. Ah, interesting. Yeah, we could go. We could go a lot of places with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, how how important is setting when it comes to appreciating? Uh, I could, I'm, I haven't played a lot of the Halo uh, shooter game because shooters make me dizzy. Um, but clearly, one reason that Microsoft wanted this game to be made is that it's a Halo game. I mean, if this wasn't a Halo RTS, it would not have been made. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're riding the coattails of the, the franchise, uh, certainly. Um, I don't think it does anything particularly unique for the gameplay. Uh, have, have you read the novels? Is, is it true to the literature? <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? I have actually read one and a half Halo novels. I, I, uh, I picked up, there's a little box set of the trilogy, the first uh, three novels. I don't know how many there are now. And the first one wasn't awful. But I just lost interest through the second one and just couldn't be bothered. There you so go. The that's, a, that's, have, a, that's a Tom Chick rave right there. Wasn't awful. <laughs> going right there on the back of the book. <laughs> Tommy, do you, are you familiar? Have you have you done any research into whether the the Halo game itself or the Halo novels are more historically accurate? <laughs> I have not, but uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't know where it fits in in terms of historicity or this sort of alternate history with that. that Turtle Dove alternate history stuff. I don't know where it falls on that spectrum. Is there no is there a uh, is there a Halo role playing pen and paper role playing game? Almost there's certainly. Gotta be. Oh, there's got to yeah. be. Although really? I don't think? I don't know it. I would have thought there would be. There's certainly. Let's all I Google mean, it. <laughs> yeah, let's let, let everybody listen while we sit there and Google. Um, <laughs> we have about ten things to Google now. <laughs> no, anyway, to answer Troy's point, I don't think setting is that important for the Halo RTS. It's it's science fiction RTS. I don't think the setting is that big of a deal uh, for, for me personally or for the gameplay. Uh, it's there to sort, of, to sort of sucker in Halo players who are probably going to be a little bit puzzled as to why, you know, as to what's going on. It's sort of funny. One thing they do, and I can sort of see them, I can imagine them meeting at Ensemble where they're like, okay, the people who are going to play this game, a lot of them play shooters. What can we do for them? So the alien leaders... If you're playing the aliens, your leader's represented by a little dude on the board. You actually get like a hero unit. And their special power is to let you basically take control of that unit and jump around and cut up little dudes. If you're the arbiter, if you're the prophet of regret or the brute guy, you can control this little like whirling vortex or this beam from outer space. And you play it like a little action game. And you drive your little dude or your little beam around and you mess up the other dude's army. So I can imagine that meeting an ensemble where they're like, okay, Halo players are going to want to take control and actually be hands-on and play it like an action game. What can we give them? Uh, hmm. I'm looking forward to my I pre-ordered it, so it should arrive sometime this week. I'll be able to finally get my hands on it. And uh, hopefully write up my opinions on it uh, next week. But I saw it at E3, and I kind of liked some of what they were doing. I liked how streamlined it was. I liked how simple it was. But I just I wasn't married to the setting. And if it wasn't, you know, Ensemble's final game, and it was just you know another RTS that comes out, like Stormrise is coming out from Creative Assembly later this year, and you know I'm probably going to end up writing about it, but. Otherwise, who would buy Stormrise? Well, I mean, that's as that's as generic a setting as I've ever seen. I was going to say this. I, this comes down to Stormrise really, like, for <laughs> for you clearly, but I yeah, mean, this is Stormrise. the same. This is the problem you face with like board games, right? I mean, so many classic board games are fundamentally math with graphics, right? I mean, the theme is just sort of pasted on after the fact with you know very thin paint, and and well, I think. Mean, Settlers of Catan really isn't about sheep. <clears throat> well, like every German board game, I mean, it's fun. I mean, any Reiner Knizia game, not to get too geeky, is basically math with graphics, right? The the setting is completely tertiary to 
the mechanics of the game. I think a lot of RTSs fall into the same category. And while I can sit here and appreciate something like, you know, what hap- what they did in Company of Heroes, right, great game, but I'm sort of not into the setting enough to care enough to play it a lot. Right? I mean, I got really, I got World War II burnout like crazy when that game came out. And so I just had no interest in doing, I didn't want to see another tank for another five years. So in that case, setting really turned me off. And And on the contrary, like, if Sins of a Solar Empire had been about World War II somehow with the same mechanic, I probably would have not been interested. But because it was this sort of epic space opera feel, you know, and you had like, you know, those sort of classic crazy Master of, Master of Orion kind of things going on and the voices and whatever, that all really mattered to me. That made me want to get into the game enough to appreciate the mechanics. Julian, you're a shallow and superficial person. Thank you. I just want to point out that uh, Reiner Kinesia has actually claimed that he always, always thinks of the setting first, and then he builds the mechanics around the setting, specifically uh, around his theme. Well, he's, you make nobody that actually, by the way, believes. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, you know, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I understand that he, he says. says. I know, you I know calling, he says. Are you calling Reiner a liar? He yes, probably I have you arrested by the EU or something. <laughs> by the SS. But uh Yeah. He's, no, he's but he's just wrong. I mean you play his games and it's really obvious. <laughs> I mean it, it's hard to look at something like it's Blue Moon. Color, blue. It's hard to look at something like Blue Moon and think that this started out of, you know, some mythology that made some sense and then right. he ended up with, Oh, here's how the cards will play. And actually, it's when he lets himself just admit that the game can't have a theme, like Ingenious, or, or uh, what's it, Eingachen? I can't even pronounce it in German. Eingenial. Um, that it's really brilliant, because it's like he like let himself go. It's like, oh, screw it. I'm going to do one abstract game out of the 37 I do this year. Um, yeah. Now that we've completely gone off Agricola? the deep end. Can we talk about what, Bruce? Agricola? If we're Agricola? Talk about you know what? Sure. I was going to bring that up, because Agricola I love how rocks. Agricola... Works with the setting, and I think it's great. It feels like a little farm, like you're cultivating yeah. and you're growing and you're fencing in animals. I think Agricola, for for the abstract game mechanics, does an awesome job of. of well, of but the being problem sort of with the problem with the Agricola is the theme is the most depressing theme in the world. Your whole job is to be the world's no, most average making sheep farmer. Are you got to be kidding me? No, you you start subsistence and you prosper and you flourish and you you have and little you baby animals as and average as possible. And, oh. You have to be as average as no, possible. Uh, That's the whole You're point. You're a terrible person. I am. No, 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 no. I have no. become we like play. a cattle magnate. You no, become the, the vegetable so baron. Or, no, no, or you no. Become have, the stew you can't mate. do that. You can't win if you just have nothing but cows. We always play Agricola in our house with a house You can. Oh, my God. You get over. I'm going to. Oh, oh. No, no, this is play, it. This is over. We're going to play. Let's play it right now. How dare you? <laughs> okay. Is, <laughs> hold on. I have to tell you our house rule for this, which is all about setting, which is. When you My play God, Agricola, got a house rule. Oh, you, yeah, wait, no, no, no. This is not actually a rule. It's just when you play Agricola hey, in my house, you house have to, everything you do has to be post-apocalyptic. So instead of being like a fireplace, <laughs> it's, a, it's a refurbished incinerator, and it's it's way better. Instead you of a pig, it's mutant swine. Yeah, it's it's That's way nice. better That's that way. <laughs> so what you're saying is the setting doesn't matter as long as everything glows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nuka till it glows and it's all good. So what I want to hear have about... that it be a sub-game in Fallout, then. Ooh, that'd be I good. I want to hear Troy talk about uh, Empire Total War, which I haven't seen yet. Neither uh, I. But before we run out of our hour, yeah, I want to make sure... I'm not going to say too much about it, because my review, uh, I'm still writing it, and it should be up at 1UP uh, later this week. Um, it is... But you can tell um, us about it. Yeah, I, I can tell you. I can say, the fun, uh, what I'll say is it's it's slow. I mean, this is a big game, but it is also a very slow game uh, because of its size. And I wonder if maybe uh, Creative Assembly hasn't bitten off more than they can chew. I mean, it, it's a good game. There's a lot I like about it. Uh, but people are already complaining with the slow loading times. Now, you have this huge map. A dozen major powers, a dozen minor powers. Each of them have to take their turn. And if you want to watch their moves, you're going to be drinking your coffee for eight minutes, watching them <laughs> make their moves. Nice. Uh, really? This is a, it, is, it is slow. Um, the battles are, are a little bit faster because the AI will, will they'll come after you. The AI in the battles is, is much improved. 
Uh, I'm not convinced the strategic AI is that much better. But they will come after your exposed artillery. If they see cannons uh, without anybody guarding it, they will send their cavalry after them and take them out, uh, which is nice to see. Was there any equivalent to that in the, the earlier Total War games? So, so, so to tie into our earlier yeah. discussion, Troy, uh, how much is the, the setting? And what time period is it? How, I'm curious. Uh, it's, how it's, much 18, does it... it's 18th century. It's 1701, okay. 1799. And how much does that distinguish it from the previous Total Wars? Well, I sent an email to you uh, earlier this, I think it was last week, saying that um, the other games to me, Medieval and Rome and Shogun, were almost intimate epics. I mean, you were close. You were down, you're watching your the swords crack the skulls of your enemies. This is a bit like, uh, you know, sending a predator drone out and you know, <laughs> bombing cams in Afghanistan because your guys are standing back and they're shooting and they're shooting at long distance. And you can go in, you can see the musket fire, but until you do that melee charge, you don't really feel like you're in it. And because the battles are so big, I mean, you have thousands and thousands of units, you have lines of troops stretching across these huge battlefields. So what you're saying, it sounds like to me, is that it really captures the dehumanization of industrialization? It does. Uh, That's a very good, you know, communist thing to say. Um, (laughs) It it does, in in many ways, a lot of the game is a bit detached. Uh, even the way the strategic end, how you have one major city and a lot of minor cities, which means that India has, you know, a, 15 provinces, but France is a single province, and it just has Paris and all these little towns. So if you capture Paris, you own France. But now this I think is that's that's realistic, and I think that's problem. It's problematic from a gameplay perspective, but it's a little bit of detachment because it comes down to all of these little towns and what do they develop into, and it's. France just isn't that scary anymore but because now of the way is, the map is. This done. is pre-Napoleonic, right? So this it's ends, right up to Napoleon. So and so, 1799. So, you know, it's up to the French Revolution, pretty much. Okay. Which was 1789. So so yeah, so, I mean, so you're saying so you're saying it's detached and long distance, but it's not quite the. It's you know it's not quite the Napoleonic you know maneuver your cannons behind the trees level of Napoleonic. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something you, you will have to do, um, though generally I find I don't move my cannons a whole lot. I mean, once I set them up, I let them fire unless they end up taking out my own troops. There's a lot of good stuff in Empire, and but it's, I wonder if it isn't just too big. Uh, if the size, if adding all of this stuff and the much deeper economy and the much larger battles, if... A lot of the closeness in the I don't feel close to my generals anymore. You know, I don't feel like I know Aww. them. You know, there's therapy uh, for that, which was a real one of the big attractions for both Rome and medieval for me. You know, seeing all the tro- all the traits pile up and getting personalities developed. They just there are fewer generals because the time frame is shorter. I mean, it's only a hundred years. So you have maybe five generals. Um, you could always recruit them. They don't pop up. If you want a general, you just spend some money. Oh, there you have a new one. They're not a scarce resource anymore. So you don't feel the connection. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in the game. The AI is better. The economy is stronger. Uh, but you know, from a personal aesthetic point of view, uh, game design aesthetic, I think something is lost in the, in the grander size of it. And speaking of grander size, uh, there is a new Crown of Glory expansion, Bruce. Oh, God. Don't look. Okay. Just stop. Wait, what's Crown of Glory? That's the uh, Napoleonic turn-based strategy game you and Bruce played a few years ago. Oh, God. Okay. Right, right, right. That does sound familiar. And there's a new version of it, which I'll be trying out. What was that reaction, Bruce? The greatest quote ever. The greatest quote ever from that is that uh, while they do understand that people thought that – that there was too much stuff in the original game, they thought the best thing to do would just be put in more stuff and then have you not use it if you didn't want to. <laughs> hey, give the user oh, options. Why not? Well, I'm looking forward to trying it. Uh, Gil from West Civ uh, sent me a note, let me know it was available, so I'll be giving it a play later this week. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? It's a shame we didn't get to talk about, because I feel it's a strategy game of sorts, uh, Puzzle Quest Galactrix. I almost bought that today. I don't think I haven't played was, it yet, but I will be playing it. So let's do that next time. I was a target and bored out of my mind, so I almost picked up Puzzle Quest Galactrix. It's not really a game, right? Yeah. yeah. It's totally a game. It's a match three game, Bruce, where 
it's like combining Elite, that old sci-fi like space trading combat game, with Bejeweled, and it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's awesome. With a little you bit of RPG in the little oh, RPG in the corner. So thanks for telling you. What yeah. Well, I'm totally buying it well, the next time. Plus, I have to at some point show up at Tom Chick's house with my copy of Agricola and show him how wrong he is. No, That's we're going to set you straight on that. Too, oh, right? my oh God. Agricola, those poor farmers, and you're plunging them into some ill-conceived post-apocalyptic <laughs> setting. Oh. <laughs> it's terrible. less boring. It's the most brilliant, boring game ever. Agricola's not that, boring. Why does that make oh it less – why does changing the names of things make it less boring? Why does why does calling settlers of Catan settlers of Catan make it more interesting than just saying, <laughs> well, this is resource one and that's resource two? Because things need names. Julian, why don't you just go read the road and leave Agricola alone like it is? <laughs> it's a beautiful little thing. <laughs> oh, oh, Tom. That's my final thought is that road is great. Thank you. I agree. I think we can all concur there. There we go. We're all set. All right. Uh, later this week, Halo Wars will be coming out. I will hope to have some opinions on that up on the blog. Uh, my Empire Total War review will be up by the end of the week. And I'm just getting paid to play it, which is nice. Next week, uh, we can talk about that and a few other things. We'll work with the agenda. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Julian. Do we have a homework assignment for next week or anything? A homework uh, assignment. Puzzle uh, Quest. I not to kill anybody. Puzzle Quest Galactrix. There we go. We should all play Puzzle Quest Galactrix. And I also promise to play End War, which I did not get around to this weekend. Ooh, I could talk about that. You know what? Just give me the whole podcast next next week, and I'll talk for an hour about End War. I, it's the 360 version. I haven't tried the PC version. And 360 or the, the PC. I'll talk about all versions of End War. And Tom Clancy's End War novel is not selling as well as the latest Halo novel. <laughs> just so you know, I am going to do a column on the Halo novels. I've decided. I'm just going to read all of them and write a column on the Halo novels. That's for not Christmas a good. Game. That's not a I'm good fine. rate per hour. I can't, can't be. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure they're not long reads. Have you ever read the Warcraft novels? I have no. not read the Warcraft novels. You Should I? Yeah. You guys yeah. have way too much time. <laughs> I didn't say I did. I'm just saying that he should. I've heard the Warhammer novels are only slightly terrible. All right. Well, this has gotten way off topic. <laughs> All right. Did we ever get on? Thanks topic? for. No. Well, we did pretty well this week. Uh, thanks for coming, and we'll try to have another podcast up for you sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, keep your powder dry, and thanks for listening.